The final frontier begins. This is about saving the future of humanity. This is a huge victory for the good guys. You've never seen Voyager. Commitment to this course of action is not emotional. Study, beam us up. Welcome to another episode of Beam Me Up, a Star Trek podcast. I am Brent Allen, and I have seen every episode of Star Trek multiple times. And I'm Matt Sonnenberg, and this is my first time through the series. And this is the show where we watch a few episodes of Star Trek, skip a few episodes of Star Trek, watch another episode of Star Trek, all in an attempt to condense 780 plus hours of Star Trek content down to about 150 or so episodes and try to get Matt over there beamed up into the fandom. So if you like what you've been hearing so far, if you want even more, be sure to head over to patreon.com slash beam me up pod over there. You can find multiple ways to get more Star Trek content or just more Brent and Matt. If you just want to join in on the conversation though, for free, head over to beam to find all of the various methods of communication to get a hold of us. Today's episode is the seventh episode of season four of the next generation titled reunion, or as I like to call it, the one where Worf goes, oops, that's it's one reaction. <laughs> Before we get into today's uh, episode, uh, I do want to go ahead just for the record, because it's probably going to come up in our conversation as things get referenced as they do. Um, prior to watching tonight's episode, you have actually gone back and done one of the extra viewings that I gave you all the way back in season two, an episode called The Emissary, which is yes, sort of sir. like the prequel to this episode. It's the one where we first meet Kalar and her and Worf have their little twist, tryst, and, you know, she it's goes one away. Where the oopsie happens. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, Matt, we've, we actually recorded an episode based on that, and that is currently found on our Patreon page. Uh, for our patrons over there as part of our extra viewing. But mm -hmm. give us just a, a, you know, quick two or three sentence synopsis of your thoughts on the emissary leading into this episode. I was not expecting this type of reunion for one. Mm -hmm. And I was not expecting this level of uh, violence. Okay. In this episode. Okay. All right. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, if you guys want to hear where Matt might've been thinking we were going to go with this particular episode, you guys head over to patreon.com slash beam me up pod. Uh, you guys can check out how to get into uh, the, the group, the access, I guess that gives you access to those uh, extra viewing episodes that we have going on over there. But that is, that's up right now as people are listening to this, uh, our patrons can go over and they can find that they actually should already have seen it. They should have seen it come through their email and on their exclusive feed. So uh, you guys can go over and do that. Now, Matt, mm -hmm. that aside, let's bring it back to this episode. Um, yes, sir. I know you just sort of said that you weren't expecting this to be the type of reunion. You weren't expecting this episode to be this violent. Um, but give us just, uh, you know, expand on that maybe a little bit. Give us your sort of initial reactions to this particular episode. It was another fairly solid episode. It, it, it's it has its level of mystery. They, uh, uh, I think, kind of as I said in the 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 emissary episode, mm -hmm. this this is another one I think where they really tied the plots together well, a yeah. plot B plot type of thing, mm -hmm. and they they really worked together and they came together at the end and it it they all made sense. Mm -hmm. like they it made sense that they were there um but yeah it, it, it's it took me on a ride for sure I, I i was not expecting this from the beginning and then uh -huh. all the way to the end like 
kept throwing things at me. It's like, right. oh, well, okay, that happened. <laughs> right. This this is a good episode where I don't know if we've pointed this out on this episode yet or not, Matt. It, it's it's one of those things that I know I've heard talked about multiple occasions in multiple places, and I don't remember if I've ever actually mentioned to you. Um, but the the writing staff has sort of gone through this this mandate in this transition. I think we actually did this when we did the offspring. Um, the one with uh, Data's daughter, Lol. Okay, where. The, the mandate that they had was the episode could not be about your guest star. It had to be about how our main characters, our main stars were reacting to what was going on with the guest stars. And sure. I think this is a great episode that shows that like this really was a Worf episode, um, even though all this other stuff was happening. And this was about Worf and how he reacted and how he responded and what it's going to mean for him going forward. And uh, we will we will definitely get into all of that. I'm glad you like this episode, though um because it, it it's i don't want to say it's one of my favorites i can't say that but it it is a good one this is one of those i think that for me surprises me by how good it is every time i watch it because in my head it's not one of like the top episodes mm-hmm. you know like i don't go ooh reunion yeah i want to watch that episode like i i never say that but every yeah. time i sit down and watch it i go man that was a really good episode like you know so so i'll say this sorry off the bat like i uh-huh. I, I i i don't think wharf is my favorite character it's fair but I do believe that this is a good Wharf episode. Yeah, I can see that. And this is one of the ones that I think really for the first time is pulling together multiple story threads from previous episodes. Like, cause we have, we have elements from the emissary, obviously we have elements of sin's father. We have Mm -hmm. elements from family, which we just did a couple of, a couple of weeks ago here on our show uh, where we start talking about Worf's family back on, on earth. Um, you know, and it, it, it's, they really pulled from a lot of different places. Exactly. Exactly. And, and and I like seeing that now. the, the, The weird part is, they're all things I've seen now too. Right. Right. It's almost as if there's a plan. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Matt, before we get into the actual recap of the episode, I do have a couple of uh, character spotlights that I want to highlight here for you today. Uh, The the first one is of course going to be our, what I think is probably our main guest actor here, actress is Kalar, who is played by a lady named Susie Plaxon. Mm-hmm. Now, I wouldn't expect you to know her. Nope. The, the other place you may know her from that she had a role on was uh, Mad About You. I don't know if you ever watched that show. Very I've popular comedy back in the 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah and it, it wasn't quite my thing. Yeah, it, like, like there was like Seinfeld and there was Friends and like Mad About You rounded out like the last half of the top 10. You know, like it sure. was good. It was a really good show, but it, wa- it wasn't one of those upper echelons. Anyway. Um, uh, but that's, that's where you would have known her from now. I wouldn't really expect you to know her, but I bring her up because we are going to see her again in both Voyager and Enterprise in different roles, obviously. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not flashbacks. I, I, I uh, mean, nobody comes back to things. life. Yeah. How no, no. Yeah. She'll, she'll be in, she'll be in future roles, uh, different roles then. And when we get to those episodes, I just want to be able to point back and go, Hey, this is Susie Plaxton who played Kalar way back. When. It's the only reason why I point her out. Interestingly though, the next character spotlight that I want to point out is me now pointing back to somebody else that we have actually already seen in a previous episode okay. that you would have no reason to remember as well. Um, uh-huh. But I, the next one I want to talk about is Gowron. Okay. Did you recognize this name at all? No, you have heard it just because I mentioned it way back in season two. We did an episode called manhunt. That's the one okay. where we met Loxana Troy. Okay. Do you remember? the um the hollow deck the dixon hill novel and how when picard yes. goes in there like everybody's like trying to kill him and he's like no computer stop don't kill me like yeah, yeah. uh robert o'reilly is the guy who plays gowron he was one of those he was like the scarface uh gangster guy who like appeared tried to kill picard 
Okay. So this is this is his next. Now, Robert O'Reilly will be back as Gowron in uh for a while. We're going to see him for a while throughout Next Generation, throughout Deep Space 9. Um so uh yeah, that's that's where we saw him there. So that's okay. Robert O'Reilly. We'll actually see him in a few other episodes. Well, I don't know if we will. I don't know if we're going to do those episodes. He has a couple other mm-hmm. roles that he mm-hmm. pops up in as a guest under heavy makeup. Um, obviously though, his big thing, his big feature is his eyes. Yeah. That's what he's known crazy for. Eyes. Yeah, crazy eye Gowron. Right. Yeah. His big old bug. Like I, that was the first note I made. I'm yeah. like, wow, he has crazy eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, he tells the story of how like he would be going around on lot, like without his makeup on and nobody knew who he was. <laughs> so he would just, he would do this thing like where he like just shows his eyes. Uh-huh. You're like, Oh, it's you. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if he ever actually did that, but he would say people wouldn't know who he was outside of his outside of his makeup. So um, Alexander, let's talk about Alexander. Alexander is played by a guy named John Stewart in this episode. I only point him out because you're never going to see him again. Okay. Now, that doesn't mean we won't see Alexander. Alexander is actually going to go on and he is going to be played by four different actors <laughs> over the course of his run. We will, we will see him sure, several not, more times. Not surprising with a, yeah. a, a child like that. Yeah. Right. Right. So but this this is uh, this is the only episode we'll be seeing that but we'll we'll point we'll point out the next time there's a new actor portraying alexander uh as we go forward um switching off the actors uh this is episode did you happen to notice who it was directed by i did not this is jonathan frakes this is his second episode in the director's chair that is a name i trust you're super familiar with by now yes um he had a little bit more to do in this episode than he did his last uh, directorial outing a little bit yeah not a ton but he was he was in it more he he did more than just get kissed (laughs) you know so um but uh yeah and we just i will tell you we are not going to do all of the episodes that jonathan frakes directs (laughs) one very much we will not do uh but uh we just happen to be this is his second one uh first and second one and one more before we move on uh this season of the next generation they got a new intern on their writing and production staff uh he was a little upstart guy i don't know if you know this name i don't know if any of our listeners are going to know this name but you probably should his name is brandon braga does not sound familiar okay we're going to talk about him we're going to dive into him a lot more on a future episode during one of these spotlights but i just wanted to point him out this is his first script he wrote this episode uh, okay. and he wrote it with a guy named ronald d moore who is another person we'll talk about later but he'll go on to be a big mover and shaker in uh television as well he and brandon both uh have big big things waiting for them uh post trek and uh, actually through trek so um anyway but this is his first uh particular episode writing there all right matt this is it man this is where i really turn the show over to you uh you're gonna drive us you're gonna make us go forward you're gonna make us stop we'll stop and talk about the things that you want to talk about the things that jumped out to you questions you had as we go through this episode and uh i'm just i'm gonna kind of do the recap part yeah you see you always say i'm driving i always feel like you're (laughs) driving and i occasionally grab the wheel or when one of those like driver's head cars where the the passenger has the brake pedal as well Uh all right how about i'm I'm gonna turn the navigation over to you and i'll just drive and (laughs) maybe yeah sure yeah all right anyway however we do that reunion prologue the enterprise is out doing enterprise things when suddenly a klingon bird of prey decloaks right in front of them it's all right it's ambassador kalar she has some things she'd like to discuss. Picard tells Worf to go meet her in the transporter room, but he's a little uneasy at that prospect. What Matt now knows, due to an a previous unviewed episode, we met Kalar, a half Klingon, half human Federation ambassador, 
not much really happened except that she and Worf um, mated. And when Worf tried to bind himself to her, she rejected him. Okay, now back to the present. Worf is concerned that his dishonor would offend the ambassador. Picard doesn't give two flying rips about Worf's dishonor. Worf is a member of his crew. Now get to it. In the transporter room, Kalar beams over and with an extra special surprise for Worf, a young child is about that right age if you do the math. Which I would argue with, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it, it bothered me a little bit like when Worf gets down to the transporter room and it's just like, yeah, there's two two to be on board. I'm like, the, the captain only authorized one. What are, what are you talking about? <laughs> I, I don't think that's how this works. But anyway, it happened. Second one. And I mean, we're, we're supposed to figure each season is roughly a year, right? There's yeah. Nothing it's, really it's that supposed, says otherwise. Yeah. Supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this kid should be roughly two, right? Yeah. They're about two, it three, seems, somewhere around there. It yeah. seems a little bit older. Yeah. I mean, I, don't, I don't, for, wanna... don't forget whatever the Klingon gestation period is as well. Right? I, yeah. I thought about that. It's like, okay, it's a different race. Maybe mm-hmm. they just grow up faster or whatever. I, like, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. You can write it off a little bit. I, I understand they they wanted to give this kid a few lines. They didn't want a two year old running around the set, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it, it it was slightly questionable. I will I will say this going forward. I mentioned we're going to see Alexander, you know, for quite a while, and he'll be played mm-hmm. by several different actors. Um, you will drive yourself crazy if you try to figure out what the growth rate is for a Klingon. <laughs> okay. Just, just Fair let enough. it go. Let the, yep. let the writers tell you this is, this is where he is now. Just accept it. Mm-hmm. Willing mm-hmm. suspension of disbelief and move on. I, I, I mean, I, I, I guess crazy. we don't yeah. actually know, or at least I don't know how old Worf is. That's a good point. Like is, is Worf 16? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> th- then yes, that that's a perfect two year old. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's something. It is something. <laughs> so anyway, uh-huh. <laughs> he's about that right age. Yeah. Act one. After dropping off Alexander at school, Kalar and Worf share a turbo lift. She's a little flirtatious. He's a lot standoffish. She doesn't seem to care about his discommendation. She's heard about it. But what she's interested in is that question that he's dying to ask. And she's going to make him ask it. Ding, ding, ding. Mr. Worf, you are the father. I don't know if that was new information to you, Matt, outside I, of just confirm it. Yeah. Fr- from their reactions, uh-huh. like you had to figure, yes, okay, it is his kid. And especially when, yeah, I'm going to make you ask. Like, she's not going to like make him ask. And t- nope, not yours. Mm-hmm. Why, I, like, why would she even bring him along? Like, right. a- a- as soon as she brought this little surprise along, I'm like, okay, it's his kid. Otherwise, sure. there was absolutely no reason to bring the kid. Uh-huh. Right. Unless it's like, oh, this... Klingon boys, also your brother. <laughs> I mean, I don't think yeah. that works. So, I, yeah, mm-hmm. it, 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 there, there's really no other reason I could think of to uh, bring him along. So that wasn't really a surprise. What was a little bit surprising though was how quickly he brought up his discommendation with her. Oh yeah, he throws like, he throws that out a lot. Discommendation. I've been discommendated. I've had my well, dishonor. Well, he, my discommendation. He, he does with people who know about it. Like sure. when he's talking with Picard, yeah, he has no problem bringing up Picard was there. But it, it, I feel that he he was very much like obviously. I I think they did it just to move the plot along. Sure. Like they didn't. That's not where they wanted to spend their time in this episode. Mm-hmm. So they just you know threw it out there. But it, to me, it feels like he was very hesitant about how she would react to it. So mm-hmm. he didn't want her to know. 
Fair enough. But then the, the first scene we see him together, it's like, oh, yeah, I've been discommodated. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. But then she already knew. And she's and like, like, I already know. I know. Huh. Yeah. Okay. I'm okay. It's been a few years, but mm-hmm. why would some? I, well, hmm. mm-hmm. I, I was gonna say Worf wasn't necessarily like that high up in the Klingon command structure, but I guess it's probably something that doesn't doesn't happen very often. Right. So News gets out. News travels. That would spread. Right. 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 So. All right. Well, over in the conference room, Kalar is telling the senior staff that the Empire is on the verge of civil war. Two factions are struggling for power. Only the Chancellor, Kimpek, he's back, has mm-hmm. been able to keep the peace. But it turns out he's dying. And oh, hey, Picard, he's waiting for you over on my ship. Over at the Klingon ship, Picard meets with Kimpek. Kimpek is dying by poison, and he wants Picard to act as an arbiter in the struggle for power. Picard tries to refuse, but Kimpek has already sent the order. <laughs> he says with a sly smile. The two challengers will soon arrive and fight for the honor of leading the Klingons. What Kimpek wants Picard to do is find out which one is poisoned him was it galron or duras remember him from a few episodes ago matt yes i do whichever one is responsible for killing kimpek with poison must not be allowed to take command of the empire like i understand his reasoning for thinking it's one of them uh-huh. but what if it wasn't <laughs> what if it was a third party you know it, it's it's an interesting thing klingons if there's anything we've learned about them at this point or at least this era of klingons they are quick to jump to conclusions with very mm-hmm. little proof and very or much like so. no proof you know mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. It, it's it's yeah we we see that quite a bit like i don't need further proof you're in front of me right now so i will kill you <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like geez come on guys you know i i still i don't know i like Worf's whole defense for when he went to go defend his family honor his whole his whole line of defense was uh oh yeah yeah, yeah. your father's a traitor no he's no. not <laughs> how do you know because i said so <laughs> yeah because my father wouldn't do that okay sure i mean turns out Worf was right just <laughs> he didn't know that at the time Act two, back in school, Alexander isn't really getting along so well with the other kids. Worf is there to pick him up. It's a warrior does this and a warrior does that and a warrior doesn't do that. But I don't want to be a warrior. In her quarters, it's time for Kalar and Worf to have it out. Kalar isn't so concerned with Alexander following the Klingon ways. He'll figure out his own path. After all, he's got human blood in him as well. But that's not what's really bothering Worf. As his son, Alexander would also bear Worf's discommendation dishonor. Worf cannot acknowledge him as such for his own sake. Kalar wants to know why he accepted the discommendation in the first place, you big old glut. The moment is interrupted by plot. (laughs) Yes, that's a great way of saying it. It's like, yes, we're not going to let you have this conversation right now. So we'll call you up to the bridge. But it's this is one of those situations I keep trying to like put myself in their shoes and Mm -hmm. figure out what I would do with this situation with all the different traditions and everything that are floating around. It's like uh, different different races have their own traditions. And Mm -hmm. how do you how do you bridge that, especially for someone like Kalar when she's half and half mm-hmm. it's like you obviously can't fully follow both traditions because right. they're, they're in conflict with each other that's why there's a problem in the first place so yeah she, I, I guess her solution is almost the best one is let the kid decide mm-hmm. but 
I can see as well where Worf's coming from and, and how he wants to handle things and why he doesn't want to do certain things. And it's, it's a messy situation for sure. And yeah. I, well, go ahead. I, I just don't, don't know. I, I'm a guy who wants to solve problems, mm-hmm. but this is one of those. I just, I don't know where to go with it. Yeah. It, it's an interesting thing. Um, something we talked about on our, on our extra viewing episode is the whole idea back with the emissary of Star Trek tackling the idea. And it was very contextual at the time, um, but mm-hmm. tackling the idea of what it means to be a biracial person, yeah. uh, somebody who comes from two very different cultures and has two very different heritages and you own them both because they're both part of you. Um, and, you know, for Alexander here, he's, he's going to be three quarter Klingon, one quarter human, but still that human is a part of him. Yep. And she very much wants to let him decide, you know, where he follows and, and almost even pick and choose what pieces of each culture and heritage he wants to follow. Um, which is weird because it kind of makes your own culture that way. Doesn't it? Sure. You know, um, I mean, I think she's already kind of done the same thing. Sure. Right. And so I think that's what part of the reason she's more willing to let him do that as well. Mm -hmm. And, and then you have Worf who, you know, for better or worse is a guy who was not raised in cling in, in with Klingons Mm -hmm. who tries his everyday best to be the best Klingon, the model Klingon on paper and Mm -hmm. do what Klingons do. And here is his son going, I don't want to be a lawyer. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know what I can't even relate to you, child. I, I didn't even start counting, but the number of times Worf uses the words honor and tradition in this episode is off the charts. It's just Mm -hmm. he, he, that, that, that's, that's where he's at. He's all about these honor and traditions Mm -hmm. and no one is going to change his mind about that. Right. Right. And, and it comes, I mean, not even Captain Picard and we'll get to that when we get to the end of this episode, because I think the, that final conversation with Picard and Worf is golden. Mm -hmm. I I think it's, it's absolutely golden, but we're not there yet. So, so we'll get there. Uh, This interrupt moment is interrupted by plot. That plot being Yauron and Duras's ship have arrived. They'll begin the ceremony in one hour. Well, maybe an hour and some change. But in the meantime, Picard wants to talk to Worf. Picard does the good leader thing as he does throughout really this entire episode. Mm-hmm. but says that Worf is going to have to live with his choice to accept this commendation. The bigger issue here is which of the two killed Kimpek. Worf is pretty convinced it's Duras because, well, just because over on Kimpek's ship, everyone has gathered to ensure that Kimpek has really died because yep, he's really dead. Duras, he's still anxious to get this started, but Picard is going to wait just then an explosion rips through the ship and that sends us to a commercial break. Yeah, big series of events going on here. And once again, did not expect a bomb to be going off in the middle of this, but okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, first thing was maybe a little thing in the grand scheme, but I, I, it just kind of showed how the card wanted to handle this situation. Like things were going to happen on his terms. It's so like he he tells Duras, it'll start in an hour. Address is like one hour exactly. And then, you know, it goes off screen. And he's like, eh, I mean, he's going to start a little late. And I'm like, that is fantastic, <laughs> right. Picard. Like, right. you are planning for this. You're trying to push his buttons, uh-huh. trying to get him riled up. Uh, and I mean, I, I think that's all trying to push toward for, you know, his investigation type right. of thing. But then then when they do get together and they, they have this you know little ceremony to yeah make sure he's actually dead, which mm-hmm. is an interesting concept. 
Yeah, this is the first time you're seeing those sticks, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so the, those sticks are called Klingon. They're they're pain sticks. Okay. So you you st- I mean think of like a like a it's an electrical probe effectively, mm-hmm. right? Only supposed to give you I guess a much bigger jolt. There's a whole episode where Kling- where Worf um I think it's like season one season two something like that where Worf goes through some Klingon ritual and mm-hmm. like all of his friends have to stand on the side of him and they each like stab him with this pain stick as he like walks through this gauntlet. And so it's okay. like there's Riker and Jordy and Data and like everybody <laughs> on the ship is like stabbing him as he's ah, ah. Um, so uh, yeah, I guess you didn't have that reference, but yeah, that's, that's, that's what that's called is a, is a okay. Klingon pain stick. Um, that, 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 that's interesting, but yeah, that, yeah. that'll definitely test if someone's dead. So that makes, makes a little more sense. I wasn't sure. exactly sure what was going on. Like it just gl- kind of glowed. Right. It wasn't like, uh, you know, our, 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 we didn't see like the jolt of electricity zap through them or something like mm-hmm. we might from a human sci-fi film. Right. But. Hey, let me ask you this. Uh, Cause we didn't talk about this when this happened actually in, in the last act uh what do you think about the idea of picard a federation captain being the guy who's going to arbitrate the succession of the klingon high council and high chancellor that's something yeah it's i'm sure is a very unheard of scenario sure yeah it probably never happened before and probably will never happen again but I think it really goes to show it, it, is this only the second time that Kempek is meeting Picard as far as I'm aware. Yes. It's okay. True. Yeah. So like in my mind, it kind of goes to show how much respect he gained for Picard after their first meeting. Mm-hmm. Like, cause Picard kind of forced himself on the Klingons the first time. Right. Cause he, he, he wasn't invited to that first, uh, you know, courtroom scene mm-hmm. we had. But like he learned his Klingon phrases, he learned about their 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 traditions and what was going on there enough to impress them, and and mm-hmm. it obviously had a strong enough effect on Kempek that he would trust him mm-hmm. to figure out what's going on here. But th- but I mean I mean put that like in the real world, right? Yeah. Like yeah. imagine imagine Russia. All right, let's use that one. Mm-hmm. Imagine Russia's going through some big political upheaval. There's these two warring factions that are vying for a chance, and they come and they get some five star general from over here to come yep. be the guy who's going to decide that over there. Like that, it just, I mean, that's, you just don't uh, like, mm, um, like, I, I understand what you're getting at, but yeah. the, like, the, like you can have like, you, you, even though you're on opposite sides of a war, mm-hmm. you have to imagine that the, the top leaders, the top generals in each army mm-hmm. have kind of a, a mutual respect for each other. Sure. Right. On some level, if they've ever met yeah. before, or yeah, I mean, even if they haven't met, just mm-hmm. you know, seeing what they're able to do and how they commanded stuff, I, I, I think that 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 respect is there, and so when when you, it's better to go for for, for I mean, as they refer to it, as mediation. Mm-hmm. Would you rather get some neutral, essentially neutral third party that uh-huh. you, you trust? to decide what's going to happen in the next generation of your people or would you take someone from within your people who is obviously going to be under mm-hmm. the, the the new leader who is under you who is under like no matter how much you think you trust them like they they can be swayed then or may have already been swayed by one of the potential new leaders mm-hmm. and it, it can get real messy real fast i think yeah. It, whereas, whereas Picard didn't mm-hmm. didn't have 
a horse in the race. Right. And so like, and, and we know Picard, like we trust him because yeah, Picard's great, yeah, we, right? But like we trust him. And that's what, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. Kempek trusts him as well. He's gained that respect for him. Yeah. And I, like, he knows he's going to make the best decision, but like he, that's, that's what he trusts. He trusts him to make the best decision regardless of what it means for like the Federation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the fact that he just said, yeah, you're going to do it. I've already set it into motion. <laughs> yeah. Just, that, 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 that's that's kind of the weird thing. Like, yeah. and the, the, the line he gave him before that, if you refuse the dying request of the Klingon Supreme commander, it will be an insult by the Federation to all Klingons. Uh-huh. I'm like, Okay, I don't know if that's true, but you're rubbing rubbing it on thick there. <laughs> I'm but, like Picard, that's Picard's Kim not going to back right? down from that. I mean, I, if yeah. there's one thing we learned in our in the Sins of the Father episode, Kim Beck is a politician, sure, through and through, right? Like that's that's how he rolls, that's how he plays the game. He's a politician. He is so much less Klingon than Worf is. It's not even funny. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure that anybody is as Klingon as Worf is. But yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah. and and that's that's where we get in here with Duras too. Sure. Yeah. As, as we're moving forward, because because Worf kind of warns us when, when he hears who the two choices are. It's like, yeah, I don't really know much about mm-hmm. uh, Goron, but uh, Duras, you know, he, he's he's not Klingon. He's not he does not uh, adhere to their traditions or whatever. He does not and, have and, honor. He does not yeah, have. Yeah. And, and, and we see that immediately. Like, sure. like um, I was saying, Picard takes the time to learn all of the traditions and stuff of the, the other races as he's interacting with as best mm-hmm. he can. And that we've seen that with the Klingons a few times now, not only in the, the you know, the sins of the father episode, but then this episode as well, he, he learns as much as he can ahead of time. Cause then when he goes, he, he doesn't shy away. He's the first one in with that, that stick. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's part of the ceremony that he, he needed to be the first one. Maybe that's it. But he, he just, stepped up right away and and from the way the stick was presented to him the way he grabbed it and the way he stuck him like there was definitely a tradition to that sure yeah it's a very ritual the way his hands were placed and all that kind of stuff he had practiced that (laughs) and then because then we see gauron come up and do the exact same thing in the exact same manner and then duras just comes up and is like grabs a stick and stuffs it in there and sticks him again and i'm like Mm -hmm. i i see what you mean morph like yeah i I, obviously that's the way they wrote it to kind of give us that feeling it's like yeah Worf was right duress is not to be trusted that that's what they want us to think and so i mean i get that but that's obviously just duress's character too Uh so yeah yeah, it's it's interesting to see like like you said Worf is probably the most klingon of all klingons Mm -hmm. even though he's (laughs) wasn't raised by klingons and doesn't live with klingons and yeah which is which is weird because it just I think it means that he doesn't like oddly he doesn't really in that case know what it means to be a Klingon mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know he doesn't understand the cultural nuances of- it, 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 he, he's he's read all the rules and is following them to the letter but uh, yeah. yeah not getting the 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 context uh huh uh huh so anyway Act Three in Kalar's quarters Worf arrives they update us about the explosions nothing too much to worry about just a couple of Klingon red shirts that bit it but that's not what they're really here to talk about you guessed it this 
one's really about their relationship. Basically, he cares really deeply for her. After all, he told her the last time that he'd never be complete without her. And as for Kalar, well, it may have taken her a while to come around to it, but she feels samesies. He's a part yep. of her. Do what? Yep. <laughs> I th- we uh, we already like covered that at uh well okay we didn't cover it in the show we at the end of the emissary uh-huh. that's basically what it came down to it's like uh-huh. yeah they, they they both have feelings for each other they're not going to do anything about it because they're splitting up again but uh yeah they it got surprisingly mushy yeah and that's all Worf needs to hear it's marriage oath time again. He says the first line, and then she slowly says the first line herself. Hey, it looks like this one's actually going to happen. But then Worf has second thoughts. He cannot take the oath with her, nor can he claim her son as his own. It's that whole discommendation thing again. She doesn't believe this traitor thing. She'll go along with it for now. And she asks if he can't be Alexander's father, at least be his friend. Yeah, that's... (sighs) I really want Worf to get over this discommendation thing. Yeah. Like I thought we did this when his parents came to visit. We we, we got yeah. past this. Right. But no, like, like I get partly why it's coming up again is because like he may be over it himself or uh-huh. allowing himself to get past it. But now it's he's thinking once again, according to. Uh, Klingon tradition, uh-huh. it's going to affect his son. Sure. And and we can picture before. I mean, we can see how the other Klingons around Duras, mm-hmm. you would almost anticipate because he was there, but even Gowron, who wasn't there, how they treat him yeah. and what he is in their society and what that means. And we see him saying, like, hey, it may have like Worf very early in the episodes, like, it may offend the ambassador because of my dishonor, my discommendation. Mm-hmm. And Picard's like, yeah, I don't care. You're a member of my crew. Go do it. Which I loved that too. Which was great. Um, and uh, you know, effectively he says the same thing later. Look, mm-hmm. I don't care what you know, you you have your traditions, that's fine, but you're here. And this yep. is here now. Um, and you know, it's where Worf can live and, and not have to live under that. But I'm gonna let that rest for you right now, though, Matt, because sure. who knows what may ever come out of this particular discommendation thing with Worf. <laughs> Moving on, in the ready room, Kalar and Captain Picard are meeting to figure out their next move. Dr. Crusher is still trying to figure out what happened with the bomb, but but Kalar doesn't think Picard can really delay this anymore. In the modern rite of succession, it's a very quick process, but that's when Picard has an idea. Well, how about we try an ancient process instead? Oh, yeah, that one that's really long and drawn out and involved. Yeah, use that one. But before she goes, she turns and asks about Worf's discommendation. But Picard can't discuss it. I I, I do like that Picard is protective of that. Sure. Good leader, Picard. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I, I also, it, it surprises me every time. She's done this a few times now. Uh-huh. But Kalar is surprisingly knowledgeable about Klingon history and traditions and everything for mm-hmm. only being half Klingon. Right. She knows an awful lot right. about the Klingons. And something I don't know that we ever really got was where she was raised. Yeah. Like, was she raised on Kronos, you know, the Klingon home order? Was she raised on earth? Um, I, yeah, I, I can't, don't think I, 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 I couldn't tell you or, or some colony out there. Like it's, but she is the, the Federation ambassador to mm-hmm. Kronos. So she lives there. She works there. She, she's with those people all the time. Um, so I can see why she would know about all that. But I mean, those are some, she, I, I, I would say this as the ambassador, she at least has the resources to know where to go to find out the information. And then she can relay that to Picard. Yeah. You know, that, that, um, that's fair. But I mean, 
obviously for the sake of time and plot, she just knew the answer. Well, sure. Like right. she didn't have to go look it up. Right, so, right. We, but cause, cause we, we, she, she did it here. And I was thinking there was one time earlier in this episode too, where she kind of showed off some kind of Klingon knowledge like that, but this was the main one. I know. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, and you do kind of have to wonder, like, so in the last one, she was a special emissary mm-hmm. and she winds up going off with the ship, the Tong. Yep. And that's the last we see of her is she's going to go hang out with them until the Klingon ship comes and they're going to take them home. Next thing we know, she's a full ambassador to Kronos. Yeah. You know, like what happened in between? You gotta, you know, I, I'm, and I'm sure that's probably covered in some novel out there somewhere. So, <laughs> but we're not here to do novels. We're here to do the episode. Yes, sir. Jump cut to a few hours later and Picard enters the conference room where Duras and Gowron are sitting. I'm going to kill you guys. I'll run. No, I'm going to kill you with my buggy eyes. Picard informs them about the Jajuk, but neither are very happy about it. Too bad they can't do anything about it. Picard smiles craftily as he settles in for the very long ritual. Alexander is hanging out with Worf in his quarters. Worf is showing around, including the ancient family heirloom, the Batleth, the Klingon sword of a warrior. Alexander wants to play with it. <laughs> Who wouldn't? I want one. I want to play with it. <laughs> I, I I have a dream one day, Matt, that this wall behind me that you see uh-huh. is one day going to have a Batleth hanging on it. Okay. I don't know that that my wife will ever let me do that, actually put that up, but I would love to have one. (laughs) Um, For the record, this is the very first time that we are ever seeing a Batleth. I'm not surprised the once again, just the, uh-huh. the, the manner in which they, they introduced it kind of felt like, yeah, we haven't seen this before. It's not, we're yes. just introducing it to this kid and mm-hmm. the audience hasn't, you know, it, it was very much, yes, you've never seen this before. We're going yeah. to take the time to explain it to you. This is how mm-hmm. you use it. Right. And Matt, I would, I would say you should get to know the Batleth because you will see it a lot. You should know I, the shape. I kind of figured yeah. this wasn't the only time, uh, yeah. given mm-hmm. that you, you, you have had a guest on a supplementary episode of this show, which I was not able to listen to. That's right. Yeah. But, uh, goes, I believe uses a pseudonym, including a Batleth. Yeah. So. Bat- Batleth babe. Uh, what you're talking about there, Matt, is the very first episode of the show Star Trek Picard uh, that I had as a supplemental. You're not allowed to watch that up that show right now. I know. But, I, uh, I can't watch it. I just, I, I just saw it come across in yeah. the podcast feed. I'm like, yeah, okay. Her, her, her sure. name's Heather. She's a super, super cool person. We had a great conversation, but she is a, like in real life, she is a long sword fighter, like a so long she, sword. She fencer. probably has a Batleth. She probably does, but she, I don't think she actually uses it in, in, in whatever, but she goes fencing with long broadswords. It's, okay. I mean, it's super cool, man. Like, you know, but Hey, if you're going to do that, that's a cool name to to put out on Twitter is a Batleth. Babe. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, she also does this cool thing, like with the fandom and Trek gives back and all this kind of stuff. You guys definitely go check her out at Batleth babe on, uh, on Twitter. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. So get to know the shape, get to know it's, it's the Klingon thing. I will. Up in the conference room, Gowron wants a word with Kalar. Why is Picard delaying? Kalar isn't talking, but okay, Gowron. What do you really want? It's not what I want. What do you want? Gowron tells her, which point he is in full bribery mode. You could have command of a ship. Seat on the high council. Glory. But Kalar is not one who is so easily bribed. All right, plot twist time. Jordy and Data tell Riker all about the bomb. It was really, really small. Only three millimeters. And it was a Romulan bomb. Dun, dun, dun. Also, 
not just three millimeters, three cubic millimeters, which makes it means it's even smaller than three millimeters. Like this thing is tiny. Uh huh. Yeah. That, that's fascinating to think that bombs might someday be that small. Mm-hmm. Also very frightening, but uh, understandable. So mm-hmm. yeah, but bribery here. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Full on bribery mode. We we, we kind. I, I felt that. So we already kind of had a reason to think Duras was behind this. Uh-huh. Obviously, we needed something to kind of balance the scales for a little while. Mm-hmm. Like Worf had his personal vendetta against Duras. He was sure it was Duras. Everything pointed to Duras. I'm like, okay, now we got to get on uh, Gowron and why might it be Gowron? What's he going to do? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. He's going to try to bribe her to win this thing. And it's right. like, okay, tr- 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 what are you trying to cover up? It's like, right. I still like that felt, I guess the, the only thing that surprised me with that was mm-hmm. it was the first time we really, I, I felt that Gowron went away from Klingon tradition. Mm, yeah right because yeah. bribery didn't necessarily feel very klingon uh-huh whereas juras like Worf has said the whole time he's just mm-hmm. he's not klingon he doesn't follow traditions it's it's got to be him so now we finally get this from gowron saying i'm gonna try to do things my way okay maybe he he's got a little bit of a you know dark side to him as well and well, I mean, don't forget, he also threatens her life. Like, he, he clandestinely threatens her life. You wouldn't want to end up like Kim Peck, would you? Yeah, you yes, know, yes, I mean, that's, that's that's all in this scene. Yeah, yeah. Very, very much so. Yeah. And so, it, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the, 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 the part that he, he threatens her mm-hmm. it makes it sound even more so like, I know what happened to him. Right. Not just not necessarily just that he's dead, but mm-hmm. the the way he words it, like you don't want to end up like him, uh-huh. makes it feel like I, yeah. I, I, I like the writing of this because mm-hmm. looking back on it, knowing the end of the episode, he was very clearly like he really was just saying you wouldn't want to end up like Kim Peck, would you? Which yeah. was not a confession at all. No, it, it no. was a threat for sure. But it was not a confession, but it's it was vague enough that it sort of sounded like a like a confession. Right. So, so, yeah. Yeah. Because the, 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 the one exchange I had a question about uh-huh. and this this name has been brought up a few times. We haven't explored them too deeply yet. Mm-hmm. He says you talk like a friend or she said you talk like a Ferengi. Mm. We haven't met the Ferengi yet, have you? We either met them once, or maybe no, just we did meet them, right? the names. Was that um, were they in Farpoint? They were. They were the the. Remember they like there was the base, and the guy was like, "Hey, the Federation, come do it." Oh, if you don't want it, I'll just give it to the to the Ferengi. Okay. they'll come in so, and do so it. So the, Ferengi the Ferengi were meant to be the big bad guy, and they turned out goofy. Yeah, I like. I think yeah. the Ferengi have just been brought up in conversation like three or four times now. Gotcha. Yeah. And so they like have. you yeah. you talk like a Ferengi. I like. I don't know exactly what that means. Uh-huh. And but then he replies with Kempek was stubborn too, which once again mm-hmm. kind of leaves it leads us to that you know we're supposed to think oh you know exactly what like you tried to uh, bribe Kempek as well and and yeah now I I did this to him yeah I I think that's definitely where the writers are going and there's there's even the next scene which lends itself to that because I think we're left with this like we leave Kalar with her going it's got to be or it's got to be Gowron it's got to be Gowron 
And then mm-hmm. we turn around and we go to this next piece where they tell us plot twist. It was the Romulans. They were involved. Yep. And I, Matt, I don't know if you put it together. Worf puts it together for us in the next scene, though. Mm-hmm. Who do we know that has dealings with the Romulans? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 The, the, and that's like you said, it, the, the, it's a twist. They, yeah. they keep twisting us back and forth. It's like, oh, yeah. it's got to be dressed. Oh, no, it's got to be gone. Nope. No, dress. You know, let me let me ask you about this, Matt, because earlier you were talking about like it had that mystery element to it. Mm hmm. And what's what's interesting is, is as viewers, we don't have the mystery like we have all the same information that Worf and Picard and and even even Duras and Gowron have like like every, the only person who doesn't have the information is Kalar. Well, and the and we're watching her discover it. Right. The, the interesting part is we have all of it, whereas I don't think any one of them un, until like the next scene here uh-huh. has has all of that information. Right. Because Worf just has all the dirt. The, most of the dirt comes from their previous experience with Duras. Uh-huh. So he has all the dirt on Duras. She has all the dirt on Gowron because Worf didn't know anything about him. Picard wasn't there when you know she mm-hmm. was bribed and threatened. So there. it's like they're they're on opposite sides of this thing. Uh-huh. And then even the Romulan thing, like Jordy figures that out. Yeah. So and he tells Picard, so they know that, and like none of them know all of this until you know yeah. five, ten, fifteen minutes later. It's it's it, what did that do for you? Like, as far as like watching the episode, like you had all the pieces. I know sometimes you say you like the mystery, mm-hmm. like you had all the pieces. They were still putting it together. Though. Like sometimes it's nice to be in that third person kind of God. I, mode, right. I, I, I mean, I, yeah, it's, it, it's fun to do that. But still, when there are good writers, which I think Star Trek has, mm-hmm. they are very good at misdirection as well. Yeah, I agree and with so that. Yeah. Even if they give you all of this information so you think you can figure it out, like the information may still all be there, but if you remember this one last detail, mm-hmm. it changes everything. Right. And and so if you follow the breadcrumbs, they'll lead you to the door, but lead you to you know you have to go in the side door. Like, right, it, it, I, I, I don't know. I just can't. Well, let's go into the side door. <laughs> I, don't have a, I don't have a good analogy for go. this right Let, now. Let's open up that side door and kick it open. Act four, it's a senior staff meeting plus Kalar. What? The Romulans and the Klingons have formed an alliance. Oh, that's big trouble. Big, big, big trouble. Worf says it has to be Duras. Kalar isn't so sure, but Picard tells her that they've had prior dealings that show Duras untrustworthy. Well, that certainly piques her interest, but Picard said Picard says no more about it. However, Picard does want Worf to come to the next meeting, which he is well aware will piss everyone off. You might even say he's counting on it. I would absolutely <laughs> say he's counting on it. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> when Worf's like, my presence will be disruptive. And like before Picard responds at all, I'm like, that's the plan, Worf. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that's exactly. the plan. Have you not caught on to this yet? No, he has not. Uh, Kalar is not messing around. She goes immediately to her quarters and begins asking the computer all sorts of questions, but she's definitely on to something. She's going to track this down. Up in the conference room, Picard is with her. Oh, 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 hold up. Okay, I, I, go ahead. I, I'm just going to stop you there. Okay. Okay. What? It's pretty cool that she can somehow get the computer to uh, combine 
its power with the Klingon <laughs> index of stuff. Wow. powers combined, I will solve like, the mystery. <laughs> like, okay, that, I'll, I'll give you, that was pretty cool that, you know, I, I, I don't know exactly how that works, if it only works because, like, she's connecting essentially to, like, the computer on the Klingon ship or uh-huh. something and getting all that information together, whatever. But I, I still have a problem. You know, well, I'm sorry. You know what's really great, though, when you say that? What? I wonder if the Klingon ship and the Enterprise are running on the same operating system. I would like, guess How well not, are they actually but, talking to each other? <laughs> yeah. 400 years in the future, they'll figure it out. There right. won't be iOS and Android. Everybody works together. But yes, anyway, I'm not sure how much power this ambassador title actually gives her, uh-huh. but I it still bothers me. I still think it's a problem mm-hmm. that just anybody can ha- access these logs. Right. Now, obviously, they threw a little wrench in the works and it's like, oh, yeah, the one log you wanted is restricted. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they do have the power to restrict access to some of them. But still, the fact that she can listen to all of the other ones and like she was, you know, slowly piecing things together through these logs, mm-hmm. like it, it just seems. And I know we've talked about this and how mm-hmm. like th- th- there's like a level of trust and everything in the future and, and, you have nothing to hide. So why would you, you know? Right. Yeah. It's open access to everybody, but it just feels wrong. And maybe it's just this day and age and where I come from and all the Mm -hmm. privacy concerns and all that we're going through with now that I think it's absurd to, to allow that. But it, I, I don't know. Just the fact that like, she's, she's not even uh, on, and and that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know where this ambassador title comes in because she's not even a member of this crew. Right. She, I I think that ambassador, I think that ambassador title. Yes. She's an about, she's a, she's a Federation ambassador. So she's a political figure that's pretty high up and has a lot of clearance. And yeah. I, because, I think in this I, case, like, that's what gives her that authority. I, 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 briefly, I can't speak to other cases, but I, in this case, I, yeah. I briefly had to remind myself, I was like, wait, ambassador, not admiral. Okay. Because like admiral, I knew for sure is going to be above everybody. And okay, mm-hmm. you can have access to whatever. But she's not military though. Right. Sure. Like she, she's part of the civilian government. So yeah. And, and so it's just, mm-hmm. it just felt weird that she can jump onto the ship and access their computer. And mm-hmm. I, but once again, like I said, we, we've seen that before with other guests on the ship, you know, these mm-hmm. people who were, were in cryo for years were guests on the ship and they could talk to the computer. Right. And I think if they, if they asked the computer to see the logs, they probably could have, but they didn't know what to ask for. Mm-hmm. But she knew I do exactly think what to ask for. I do think it's something she didn't really have access to the personal logs. Um, You know, and she wound up deleting all the personal logs. Well, did, did, like she could listen to the official ship's logs from the various posts. Like I know but, she didn't listen to the personal logs, but she didn't mm-hmm. like, I, I was under the impression that just Worf's log was, was locked down because of, you know, what it contained. Maybe the captains would have been too, if she tried mm-hmm. that. But I, I kind of thought like if she had tried to get, you know, Troy's log from that day, she probably could have. Right. I don't, I would not make that assumption okay. if I was you, I can definitely see why you might think that Um, it's possible. You could 100% be right. And I know that we have seen people before who have had access to various logs and different things who probably mm-hmm. ought not have access to that sort of stuff. Um, but, you know, in this particular situation, the way I read it, and it, it just could just be a difference of the way you saw it versus the way I saw it, mm-hmm. is she didn't, she had access because of her ambassadorial status to the ship's logs, 
because that's part of her government's, you know, files. And she yeah. has access to that. She did not have access though to, to the personal logs, uh, to be able to go listen to those. Um, and so she just had to, to delete them out. That was my interpretation of it, but Fair you know, you could be right as well. It's it's, they weren't clear on that one way or the other. Yeah. yeah. So, well with that in the conference room, Picard is with Duras and Gowron. They've just completed their Jajuk. It's time for a recess, but b- before you go, Picard wants to know if they've each been conducting their own investigations into the bomb on Kimpek's ship. Yeah, sure. But no, not really. Well, it's a good thing the Enterprise is conducting its own investigation. Hey, Chief of Security, come on in. Gowron and Duras freak out when Worf comes in, but he is the Chief of Security. And if they don't like it, they can withdraw. Mr. Worf, carry on. Worf proceeds to question them and eventually gets around to telling them about the Romulan detonator, all the while staring down Duras the entire time, all hardcore and tough-like. Indeed. Yes. <laughs> but I, I, I love that he had to kind of drag this out of them. Like, he, like you mm-hmm. said, they, they weren't interested in this bombing. Like they just didn't care. Like that's not what they were here for, mm-hmm. but it seems so weird. Cause like, when we first, well, think, that- I mean, I mean, I'm sorry, but think about that though. Okay. And somebody on another podcast pointed this out. So, okay. Bomb goes off. Mm-hmm. Well, Duras goes to conduct his investigation, but he doesn't have to because he did it. Yep. And Gowron doesn't really have to because he didn't do it. You know, it, I mean, it's it's forget but- forgive the crassness of this thing. It's like two people are sitting around and one of them passes gas. <laughs> they both know who did it. You know, yeah. like that's not a that's not an investigation. <laughs> but but that, that's the thing. It, it's okay. The, the the one who did it doesn't need to do the investigation. They they mm-hmm. know everything about the bomb. They know where it came from. They know know what set it off. They know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I I understand that. But I was surprised that they actually said it killed two of them. Oh yeah, and it was one of Duras's men and one of Gowron's men. Uh-huh. So in that case, in particular, if it just killed both of Duras's guys, mm-hmm. I can understand Gowron's reaction. Sure, but it killed one of his guys, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, maybe this is kind of Klingon tradition stuff coming into play again. Like they died with honor and all that. Well, I mean, Duras is a guy, good day to die, Matt. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. So, like, I I just feel that he should have been a little more invested in it uh-huh. because he wasn't expecting it. And yeah, he knows he didn't do it. But isn't he concerned about who did or why they did but or Matt, how but Matt, they did? But Matt, think about all the stuff that you've seen about Klingons and their need for evidence. You know, he did his thing and it was just a double bomb. It was just a bomb that went off. Moving That's on. True. I, I, I love that answer too. Yeah, like the Klingons <laughs> you, don't care. And your like, investigation, it was a bomb. <laughs> like That's it. That, I, I, yeah. I laughed out loud. And it's there like, okay, yes, yes, it is. In her quarters, Kalar is getting super close to the truth and she narrows it down to Duras. Unfortunately, Duras gets wind of her meddling with his files. With a guard distracted, Duras sneaks into her quarters. It's too late. Kalar has already figured it out. Ketimer, Duras's father, a high council cover-up, and finally, it's the truth behind worse discommendation. As we go to commercial, Kalar accuses Duras of betraying his people to the Romulans, just like his father did. This is going to end well. I'm She's sure it is. Right. What do you think? <laughs> oh, I honestly didn't think it would end this way. Yes. I... I mean, what are you thinking at this point? Because we'll get we'll get to it in just a moment. But what are you? Yeah, where are, I mean, you, where I, are you thinking right now? 
I I can see maybe yeah maybe there's a fight maybe there's a quarrel. I, why doesn't she have a way to contact Picard? Like, mm-hmm. I like I I I didn't pay attention, but did she have communic? She didn't have a communicator badge. So 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 that's just for like if you're on the Enterprise, it's not all Federation members necessarily. Right. Yeah yeah no, it's your Starfleet people, people that are assigned to something uh, Starfleet. With the okay ship. Yeah. yep. Yeah, because we said, yeah, she's not military. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, like... Which, I'm it, sorry, Starfleet is also not technically military. They're a peaceful exploration group. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, we, we've touched on that before. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, honestly, like, yeah, it, like you said, it went to commercial, and I I guess I didn't really think twice about what uh, how that scene was going to turn out. And so it was a, mm-hmm. a little bit shocking when when we came back to it. Sure. Well, let's get there. Let's catch mm-hmm. your, your reaction. Act five. Crusher has some news. The bomb was not just hidden. It was implanted into the arm of one of the two dead. This was a suicide bombing. And it was Duras's man. Worf and Alexander arrive in Kalar's corners to find her bloodied and nearly dead. She has just enough life in her to tell Worf that it was Duras who got her. And with her dying breath and last bit of strength, places Alexander's hand in Worf's. Worf so, lets out. Oh, go ahead. It was weird to me uh-huh. that... When <laughs> Worf comes in and sees this mess uh-huh. after the entire episode saying, it's Duras, it's Duras, it's Duras. Uh-huh. He comes in, it's like, did Gowron do this? <laughs> what? Right. Re- really, Worf? Right. That, right. Now you're changing sides? Right. But why, why, why don't you think this was Duras? Uh-huh. Uh, but I mean, yeah, I, except I, that her and her and Garon had that thing earlier, you I, know, I, I, and I guess, I guess we assume true. that she actually told him what happened, like in full detail later that maybe he maybe, yeah. maybe he started to be get swayed because he, you know, he has feelings mm-hmm. for, her, you know, and, mm-hmm. but it other than that, like I, I, I was honestly just kind of shocked right now. And it's like, yeah. well, that didn't go well for Kalar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I. So let's talk about this for a minute. Any fight, though? Yeah, (laughs) let's talk about this for a minute. The death of Kalar was a pretty big deal for a lot of people. And I believe this. I was wondering, actually. Uh I don't, at least from the episodes I've seen, typically Mm -hmm. recall seeing much blood. That's true. There's not. So to walk into this scene, yeah, like she's bloody. The furniture's bloody. Mm -hmm. She wasn't shot with a phaser, right? And then on top of it, wait, you're you're, going to go down this route, okay? Um, Kid sees trauma, death of mother. Okay, he's Klingon. He's going to use this as a a teachable moment. Uh But okay, yeah, that. That's that's uh, another level of right stuff. Yeah, don't don't turn your face away. Always look, <laughs> always remember. But d- did you did you notice the the big like Klingon death scream, the ritual death scream? You've never seen that before. Oh, from Worf. Yeah, yeah. That he's st- he's sitting with the body, he's holding her, and he mm-hmm. throws his head back to the sky, and he scares Alexander off. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> he like runs to the door. Right. It's like. I don't know. I don't want to be here. I don't know what I should be doing. Right. So there was there was um there was an episode in season one where somebody died. There was a Klingon and Worf joined in and and they explained it to us way back then that effectively what you're doing is is you're you're warning Stovacor, which is like Klingon heaven, I guess. Uh okay. you're warning Stovacor that a warrior is on their way. Okay. That's that's what it so it's it's just it's their little death ritual scream, you know, it's sort of the hey, look out, they're coming. 
happening for you. So, so, so it's not just Worf reacting to. It's not just a, his wife dying. Exactly, exactly. That is part of his. It's just Klingon, a Klingon thing. Yeah, it, it, it's Worf being super Klingon again. Exactly, exactly. But this is a this is a Klingon ritual that most Klingons still. It, it was, yeah, m- yeah, more widely accepted, widely used. Yeah. not just Worf. Right, right. So. Uh, but anyway, off of that, Worf is out. He is a man on a mission. Remember that Batleth we saw earlier? Yeah, he's going to get it. But he leaves behind both his Baldric and his communicator, and he's left the ship. Over on Duras' ship, Worf shows up with a claim to the right of vengeance. Kalar was my mate, Worf says. Well, that's enough for the fight to begin as Riker leads an away team to go get Worf. Cue a cool fight sequence. Worf's mad. So mad, in fact, he doesn't even care that Duras is the only one who can clear his family name. And just as the away team arrives, he buries the pointy end of the Batleth right in Duras's neck, which I guess means Gowron wins. Mm-hmm. That's how it would seem. Fun action mm-hmm. sequence. I like I like the action sequences in Act 5. I'm noticing the structure yeah. of how they're building these episodes. <laughs> it's always Act yep. 5 we get the cool one. I, I like it. I dig it. Yeah, that well, like I said, they have to build up to it. I sure. mean, if you if you build up to a sequence in Act Three, and it's like, well, then what do you do in Act Four and Five? Right, right. that's going to be it's a, yeah, a heck of a thing them all. In any case, I I'm I'm going to tear something else apart. Oh, Kalith, Wow, Batleth, Kalar, mm-hmm. Kalar, uh, her, her death scene here. Yeah, like Worf. You, uh, radios for a medical team right away uh-huh, right she's alive for at least you know 10 15 seconds on screen uh-huh. and once again given their medical technology i do believe that they could have saved her so what i don't understand is why does it take the medical step obviously it's it's plot reasons they want her <laughs> to die right but why does it take the medical staff so long to get there why aren't uh, th- th- isn't someone down in engineering when they hear this like they have some emergency things like okay we're beaming you from here to here yeah like because wh- they always know where they are on the ship yeah. and where he called from or they can just go off of wharf signal side to side transport in. yep yes yep they emergency should be there medic- in an instant yeah emergency medical transport site to site or whatever yes yep yep like absolutely. that should be a thing or or even better just beam kalar directly into sickbay onto the bed and the medical staff is there that would be a nut that's probably better because you they have do that in other episodes there. i'll just let you know <laughs> okay yeah so yeah other yeah. than yeah they wanted kalar to die but yeah. I, I mean it, it's just like i i think you could have saved her mm-hmm. i really do because yeah. because i i think it almost would have been better like because I at that point, well, because like I said, I thought it was weird that Worf comes in and thinks it's Gowron. Uh-huh. Like that should have just been the final straw. Oh, it's Duras. And so if she's just laying there dead mm-hmm. and she she doesn't get to mutter anything, I think that that would have been better, actually, because mm-hmm. I don't have my medical response team question. Mm-hmm. But anyway. So, so about the death of Kalar, and I, I did want to, I meant to talk about this earlier, sure, and sure. I think we got sidetracked. Um, so there was a lot of people that were mad about the killing of Kalar, and I'm not just talking about fans. And there was a lot of fans that were mad, and they wrote in and they're like, good episode, good episode, good episode. You didn't have to kill Kalar, though. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> but even like the, the like production crew and, and Susie Plaxon, like they mm-hmm. were very mad at the idea that, that Kalar was dying. Um, now the person who takes credit for Kalar dying is Michael Pillar. Sure. Right. 
And he said, basically, here's here's what was happening. It was his idea to kill Kalar, and it was... I'm liking this guy more and more, by the way. <laughs> there you go. Um, originally, she was supposed to come back with Alexander, who was Worf's kid. However, the, the twist was she was going to be currently in a relationship with Duras. And they were having trouble while they were trying to write the story and break the story <sighs> of getting Worf to a place where he needed to be to kill Duras at the end of the episode. Uh-huh. And so basically what it was, it was Pillar who said, let's use her death as a motivation for Worf, which is what they really needed. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, all of the stuff we're talking about, like they could have saved her, they could have done this, they could have. And you're right. They didn't because of plot reasons. They needed her to die for Worf to get to that spot. And and Ronald D. Moore, the the other co-writer of this episode, basically said about Kalar's death when everybody would keep writing in about it. He's like, that's good. Like people's reaction. That's a good reaction because that means that they did their job and they made you care about care about her. And you were mad when she, when she died because we liked her. She was a fantastic character. Yeah, absolutely. And would love to have seen more with her. Yeah. I I, I'll agree with that. But I I think the, the, the one other thing it does for them Mm -hmm. and, and maybe, maybe intended, maybe unintended. It solves the wharf's problem of do we take the oath oh yeah yeah like he can't anymore mm-hmm. not with her right so uh, we we do i mean we do see even though he doesn't take the oath he at least does tell alexander mm-hmm. you know we'll, we'll get to in five seconds here that he is his father mm-hmm. and so he accepts that and so at, at least alexander knows even if he doesn't tell everybody mm-hmm. necessarily i mean i i i I, I guess I assume at least, you know, the, the bridge knows, but yeah. or at least they will know. Yeah. And um, I mean, I, you know, I think Alexander is definitely way too young to understand the idea of why his dad can or can't claim him and all of those things. He, he yeah. he's just a kid he's trying to but, figure but stuff I, out. I, right? I think, yeah. Well, no, I, like, as you're saying too, like Duras is the one who has a big problem with stuff like that, but sure. we also did see Gowern's initial reaction. So it'll be interesting to see, like I said, we do have Gowan going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, it'll be interesting to see his interaction, not only with Worf, but if he gets to interact with Alexander as well, see what happens there. And I mean, I'll, I, we'll go ahead and stay in this train just since we're talking about it right now. But mm-hmm. the idea that Worf got to a spot where he did get over his discommendation enough mm-hmm. to be able to speak the truth, I guess, to be able to to tell Alexander the truth of who he is and where he comes from and who his father really is and not have to keep that from him, where Worf was so hesitant to do that before, you yeah. know, and and the idea that Kalar, Kalar truly never cared. It's one of those things. I, I mean, I really love I, I don't know that I loved Kalar as much as I, I have since doing this show with you, Matt. Yeah. Like I've, I just because me, I, she was around for two episodes, you know, we got Alexander <laughs> out of the deal, we're moving on. But she really, uh, I really liked her. Um, and the idea that Worf does this because a, I think he's starting to get over it himself, but that's Kalar rubbing off on him. It's making Worf, dare I say, a little bit more human. Sure. You know, a little bit more human, but let's get to that here in just a second. I, I don't know. Did, did you have anything you want to respond with that? No, no. Okay, cool. All right. Well, now that all that's over, let's wrap up the episode. Worf is getting a talking to by Picard. It seems the Klingon High Council are pretty much cool with what happened, right of vengeance and all. Picard, though, not so cool. Of the 13 planets represented on the Enterprise, they all have their individual customs and beliefs. But those people have also chosen to serve in Starfleet. And if you cannot perform your duty because of those customs and traditions, then you should resign. Mr. Worf, do you want to resign? After a long moment to think about it, Worf finally says no, to which Picard is actually relieved. 
and he gets it. Duras killed his girl. So, hey, let's just place a reprimand on your file and call it done. What do you say? But hey, now that uh, Duras is dead and in disgrace, isn't it time to reveal the truth about your father and the discommendation? Worf replies, yes, but today is not that day. So mm-hmm. before we get to Picard, yes, which we'll have a decent conversation about, I'm sure. I want to take note of how the Klingons reacted to this, yeah. right? Because the two Klingons that Worf has interacted with up to this point mm-hmm. were super outraged. We don't want to be in the same room with this guy. Mm-hmm. As soon as he steps foot onto the Klingon ship, yeah, one of the I think it's just one of the random Klingons on there. Like mm-hmm. he has, you know, the right of vengeance. I'm like, wait, but he's and somehow that been, supersedes his discommendation with his yeah. father. Right. I'm like, that's a Klingon tradition. Right. And so not only that happened, and then we get into oh, the High Council's okay with it. Mm-hmm. So. All of you are allowing Worf, who's been discommodated, to engage uh, in this oh, right? Yeah, engage yeah. In, in this Klingon tradition. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. I mean, that, that, that kind of falls into the pattern of what we were saying. Like, the, they're actually a little loosey-goosey on some of their traditions sure, here. Sure, right. And, See, I, now, <laughs> now, I also have this thought that he really didn't want Duras to be the leader of the high of the sure. high council. Sure. And so the fact that Worf just sort of took care of it, it's like, Hey, you sort of took care of that problem. Yeah. We'll call it good. We, we're, we're good with that. <laughs> you know, but still, I think it, it, it surprises a little. Cause when, when he goes onto the ship, he goes on, he, he doesn't go on the ambassador ship, right? This is on Duras. Yeah, he's on ship. Duras's ship. Yeah. Which by the way, so, how did he get over Duras's ship? Like that's how, how did what, how did he get to Duras's ship? Did he, just beam into his ship i'm pretty sure take a That's shuttle and walk over there or, you know otherwise how did uh the the computer know where he went exactly and the computer really shouldn't have known where he went because he left his badge in his room you know i i, I did wonder about that because i thought him. that yeah. w- that was kind of the the yeah. homing beacon as well yeah it's supposed to be uh, in any case so yes well the the computer may be smart enough to know someone Mm -hmm. (laughs) his his badge is here but someone just uh entered his his teleport code down here in engineering (laughs) to activate this and this is where they went um i'm suddenly hearing william shatner tell me to get a life in the back of my (laughs) yes go ahead (laughs) so when he goes over there and it's all of Duras's men. Uh-huh. And so they're, they're the initial ones to kind of say, yeah, we're going to let you kill Duras. Yeah. Or at least have this right, have the ability to come in and yeah. challenge him to a death. Let's face it. A death. So, to the so duel, like, to like the- that, 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 I think that's the bigger surprise than maybe the high council even mm-hmm. except accepting it. Cause and, like and you're saying, the, like Duras's men don't interfere in the fight. Yeah. That's the other thing. Cause a lot of times like you may see something like this, but his men are still going to give him the upper hand. Like, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. They let him have the fight and let the consequences be the consequences. Yeah. That's, you know? Like they, they didn't try to hold Worf back or trip yeah. him up or, or after he, they kill or he kills Duras, they don't kill him. Mm-hmm. Like it, yeah, it's it, they, they let it go. And, and so that's what I was, like, they have next to no loyalty for Duras. Mm-hmm. 
which, you know, throws into a question that whole idea of if Duras gets exposed, is that really going to bring down the the empire mm-hmm. or the empire into civil war? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. As, as Deanna Troy would put it. It's interesting. <laughs> Who, by the way, was not in this episode. Sure. Anyway. But yes, then we get Picard. Mm-hmm who uh, does his Picard thing again. Mm-hmm. He's great, isn't he? He, he is. He <laughs> yeah. really is. I love it. And I mean, credit to the writers, obviously. I mean, he, he portrayed, uh, uh, wow. Did I just lose his name? I was going to call him Shatner, but that's because you Patrick Stewart. Him. Thank you, Patrick Stewart. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sir Patrick Stewart. Yes. Sir Patrick Stewart portrays this part very, very well. So I will give him credit for that. But if he, I mean, you, you've told me they can't go off script. So this is the writers as well, writing these lines for him week in, week out. It's just, I, they know not only the character, but they make him such a good guy, good leader. As uh-huh. we've said many, many times. Yeah. Because that, that, if anyone cannot perform his or her duty because of the demand of their society, they should resign. That's the line that hit me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love, I love this. It's this contrast between I respect and admire all of those customs mm-hmm. for where you are. However, when you, and I, I feel like this is something quite honestly, and, and I say this a lot on this show, I don't want to go through the show and not interact with the content. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know that this is necessarily the content that was meant for this particular episode, <laughs> but it's here. So let's talk about it. Yep. I feel like this is something that we miss a lot in our society as, as a, as a society, we are trying to be more inclusive, which I think is in general, a good thing, trying yes. to be open and accepting of other people's ideas, other people's beliefs, other people's customs, traditions, and their way of life. But I think that that goes down a slippery slope when people begin to assert that right in every single situation, regardless of where they find themselves. And that's just yes. not, that's, that's, that's not feasible and i don't think that that's okay either like you know when i'm i can acknowledge and accept your your whatever over there but in this particular situation or within this organization within this place whatever all of that stuff has to check at the door and this is what it what we are here Mm -hmm. and this is how it's done here and if you can't do that then you just can't be here and i'm sorry if you don't like that but, you know, and, and, and people want to get bent out of shape and, and there's a thousand different examples and I don't want to name them here because I'm not trying to get into that yeah. or make that part of the show. But just that idea of I love it. The 13 planets that are represented on the Enterprise all have their individual beliefs and customs, but they also chose to serve in Starfleet. You chose to be here, not forced to. And that's a different situation, too, right? Like if you're mm-hmm. compelled to be somewhere versus, uh, yeah. you know, you choose to go to that place. Um, and I can remember going at to a college when I went to college. It was mm-hmm. very very conservative college that had lots of rules that you really probably shouldn't place on, you know, 18, 19, 20 somethings, <laughs> or maybe they really should have. Um, but we chose to go to that school. We were yeah, not compelled no, no to force you to. Right. Yeah. Like, so you chose to come here, abide by the rules or yeah. accept the consequences. One of the two, you know, anyway, sorry, that's my little diatribe on that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we, we, the, the, the writers once again did a good job of kind of bringing this full circle because earlier in the episode when Worf was walking down the hall with Alexander mm-hmm. and he asked him, why aren't there any other Klingons here? And he's like, none of the other ones wanted to serve in Starfleet. No one else chose. Mm-hmm. Uh, he might even said chose, mm-hmm. you know, to come to Starfleet. 
So yeah, here it is. You yeah. you chose you chose to do this. So if if you want to be here, these are the rules. Right. And Picard gave him an out. Do you yeah. want to resign, Mr. Worf? No. Good. I'm glad you didn't throw away a promising career. Mm-hmm. Uh and, then, and I like how he just sort of sweeps it under the rug at that point. Like he does yep. Picard <laughs> winds up doing what the Klingon High Command did, which was I'm just gonna give you a reprimand. You'll be all right. Get back to the job. Yeah. And Worf's like, okay. <laughs> Well, because you know? he, he he doesn't want to lose him as an officer. No, no, but I mean, I mean, Matt, this is where we got to go back to. You have a Federation Starfleet officer, senior staff on the flagship officer who uh-huh. is murdering a a political candidate for another, <laughs> uh, not country, but whatever that is, another yep. race, and mm-hmm. you know, and regardless of that being his home race. He is still a Federation officer who is making that happen. Like that's bad juju, <laughs> at least in today's world. Maybe yeah. we get to a spot where even in our inter- intergalactic struggles, we're more advanced than that. But good night. Like that would be cause for war. Let's just put it out that way. <laughs> you know what I mean? If, if, if somebody from the Ukraine came over here and killed one of our two presidential candidates coming up this year, uh-huh. Even if that president wasn't, even if that guy wasn't going to win, that's an act of war <laughs> and bad stuff's I, happening. I, I, I think, I think that's today's society. Yeah. But we in, can get past that, right? Yeah. But, well, I, I mean, cause I, I think you go back, you know, to like biblical times, mm-hmm. I think that was a little more common too. Sure. Like I mean, yeah, maybe yeah. you didn't necessarily have, you know, we didn't have a lot of presidents back then, mm-hmm. but you had like Kings. Sure. And th- there would be in like, who, who who's going to be the next successor? And there, there would be battles fought over that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so, some of, some of those decisions were probably made a little more covertly than others, but it's, I, I don't think it's too far fetched to think that this hasn't ever actually happened. Oh, I'm sure it has actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> I have no doubt about that. So anyway, but still, let's just say Worf gets off really easy. Sure. Like, I mean, think about it. Data yeah. takes over command of the, like, he hijacks the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. He still gets to stay on. Yep. Picard gets, Picard gets abducted <laughs> and turned into a Borg and is responsible for the deaths of hundreds of thousands of people and, and the destruction of so many starships. And he comes back and gets to keep his command. Yep. And I, I'm sure the list could go on of what these guys do. Episodic, man. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's bringing it back. Hey, let's round this out uh, officially. In his quarters, Worf is telling Alexander that he's being sent to live on Earth with Worf's parents. They'll be able to provide a better life than Worf can. After all, a starship is no place for a kid. They have no school, no other kids, no places to play. You know, none of those things that kids should be living on the Enterprise for. Anyway, uh, before we hit credits, Alexander has one burning question. Are you my father? Yes, Alexander. I am your father. And probably my personal favorite moment of the entire episode, the part that gets me a really, really honest hug between a father and a son and a comforting hug. And I I mean, the way that Alexander jumped into Worf's arms and then nestled his head like in Worf's neck, like here's a kid who just lost his mom and he's like, okay, you're my dad. Like, like, and I'm going, Worf, you cannot send this kid away. You cannot. I mean, like, I know we've got to reset and, and get back to regular show next week, but you know, no, you can't do that. And we'll have discussions. I'm sure Matt on uh worst parenting skills, yeah. but uh, anyway, 
<laughs> the end. That's it. That's it. <sighs> now, I don't know if I cut you off or if we didn't. Is is there anything you want to circle back to and, and touch on? Because this this episode, I I honestly, some of the places this conversation went, like it, it touched on a lot of different areas. It did. Yeah. I, I, I'm pretty sure this is already one or a longer episode. So uh-huh. I, I, I'm quite happy with it. All right. There you go. Um, well, Matt, I will, I will leave this to you. I, I've given you all my production notes through our conversation. So did you like this episode? Would you watch it again? It was enjoyable. Uh-huh. I think this is one of those. If it was on TV, I wouldn't turn it off, but I'm not rushing to watch it. Right. Sure. Fair enough. Fair enough. You understand why? Let me ask you this, because you've now seen both. You understand why this one, at least so far from your current knowledge, is in the run that we're doing on the main show, even if Emissary wasn't. Yeah. I mean, the Emissary was just setting up the relationship. This one, this is the one that, you know, just it it drew on that. Uh But I I think the future of it has a lot more implications and Mm -hmm. not necessarily just talking about like Alexander, Uh but the, the, the whole Klingon part of it. And, and well, you have the death of Duras, who's a really high family. You've got Gowron who, I mean, let's face it. Gowron's now going to be the the high high command. That's not a secret. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's going to be in charge. Yeah. Picard and Worf. Well, it it was going to be Picard's job, but now kind of Worf too are, they're responsible for this next generation of the Klingons. Mm-hmm. That they so, are. Yeah. That yeah, they I mean, are. It, Is it, it possible it, this it, could come back again? <laughs> It'll come back. Yes. Well, like I say, the way, the way we pick episodes here are ones that you need to know uh-huh. that are important to the story of the history of the future. Uh-huh. Um, so that's where this is. Hey, speaking of which, sometimes it's not necessarily stories that are integral to the history of the future, but sometimes it's ones that really discuss that Roddenberry vision of the future, which is a little bit, Matt, I think of where we're going with the next episode. So would you like to know what we're doing next week? Yes, sir. We're skipping several episodes and we are moving over to an episode called first contact. Uh, For the record, there is also a movie, a Star Trek movie called first contact. Do not watch that. This is an episode of the next generation before. (laughs) Yes. Very different episode than the movie, by the way, it's it's incredibly different. And in future discussions, we'll have to distinguish. Do you wait? Do you mean first contact the episode or Uh first? contact the um poor planning uh, yeah yeah so anyway uh you'll you'll have to do that now you got your pen ready because i've got several extra viewing episodes i do want to go ahead and give you ones that we are skipping all right um the first one i'm going to give you is called the final mission and i have some news for you about this one we are not watching this episode but i'm just going to tell you the ultimate thing wesley finally gets accepted into starfleet academy and he is leaving the show no yes no yes and that particular episode is his final uh, mission. It's a bonding mission between him and Picard. Touchy feely, but Wesley is off the show. I might have to watch that one. Well, you are welcome to. Yep. And if you do, let me know because we'll do an extra viewing on it for our Patreon page. Um, but anyway, it's there. Uh, the next one is Data's Day, which is a very fun episode. Do you remember Bruce Maddox? He was the guy that wanted to disassemble Data back in Measure of a Man. Uh, Data's writing a letter I was to say, him. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the name sounds familiar. But. Yeah. This is basically an episode where like data is like keeping up contact with him for whatever reason. And like, he's, he's just going about a day through his life. We also meet a character named Keiko, 
who is Chief O'Brien's fiance. And I don't remember if in this particular episode they get married or if that happens later, but you know, she, she will be, you know, Chief O'Brien's kind of that side character. Yep. Like she'll join him as his wife, you know, but that's, that's Keiko anyway. uh, So you have that one. There's another one called the wounded, which uh, introduces a new bad guy out there called the Cardassians, a new, a new race. Um, I'm not sure. Did you say the Cardassians? Exactly. And if you know the difference between the Cardassians and the Cardassians, then you, my friend are truly a Trekkie. (laughs) Um, Um, I don't yet. Right. But I will, I will give you that one. And then, and you'll become very familiar with the Cardassians in a while. Um, And the final uh, extra viewing, what is this four or five? I'm giving you all in once the next one. This one is a personal favorite of mine. Like I am very, very sad that I am losing this one from the run. I, I, this has been in my plan to be in, in the show for so long, but I, I really just can't justify it because it'd just be my own personal thing, but it's an yeah. episode called clues. And I would highly recommend you go watch that one because it's, it's just a good episode. And, okay. and particularly Matt, where you talk about the mystery, this one's a that big would make mystery sense for clues. Yeah. The title. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, I think you would particularly, I think you would enjoy all of these episodes, except maybe the final mission. Um, yeah. Okay. But anyway, it's, it's was, so feel free to go watch that one. If you want, let me know if you do, we'll do, we'll do extra viewing episodes. Um, but with that, Matt, I believe that is going to do it for this week here at beam me up. Um, Hey, what do you guys think of this run of episodes that we're in? We've got first contact coming up guys. I'm gonna let you know Drumheads coming up. We got redemption part one and two coming up. There's lots of fun episodes. Darmok's coming up. Oh, oh my gosh. Uh, you guys, Write in and let us know what you think of some of these. Email us to beamuppod at gmail.com or head over to beamuppod.com for more ways to contact with us. Matt, where can the folks find you on the internet? Uh, best place to do this over on Twitter at as a matter of Matt. And if you guys want to get in touch with me, you can find me at Brent Allen Live across all the social medias. We'd love to connect with you there as well, too. Until next time, guys, live long and prosper. 